I ever do this kind of stuff with these type of lists, I find things like, hey, I'm not really doing good there. I need to work on this here. And that's part of the journey. I always say we're all in process. One of the things we value here at Cross is everyone's in process. You're not what you used to be. You're not what you're going to be. Today is a day to move in the right direction. And when you look at this, these characteristics of the chosen, the set apart and the beloved, you realize that this gives us an opportunity to say, okay, where do I need to grow? Every day you're taking stock of things, from the checklist before you leave in the morning to what you need to pick up at the grocery store. You're constantly assessing how things are. Today, Pastor Daniel encourages you to apply this to yourself and take an honest look at how you're doing in areas like compassion, kindness, and patience. The good news is that God knows that you are a work in progress, just like everyone else, and He wants to transform your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter 3 as he begins his message, Jesus Transforms Us. So, there are a few things in life that I love more than a great transformation story. I'm one of those people, man, you can catch me if I'm flipping through the, the TV You can catch me on a good infomercial like no one's business, like the before and after pictures. You know, maybe somebody who was like, all the stuff was going on and they said, hey, listen, I was 400 pounds and and now they're just like trimmed and muscular. If I see that, the before and after, I want to know the story. I just, I love that stuff. It doesn't even matter what it is. I remember seeing that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. It was depicted by uh, Will Smith, you know, in the movie. He was a man, he was, because of his circumstances, he was homeless, and he ended up getting a job, you know, and, and working really hard and, and, and transforming his life. Like, those type of stories captivate me so much. And I, I think they do is because I'm always so aware of the fact that there's so much growth to be done. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I was just graduated middle school and I was going into high school and I was kind of, you know, a little spun out by the reality of going into high school. So I remember all I wanted to do between like the end of eighth grade and the beginning of freshman year of high school was I wanted to grow about seven inches and I wanted to put on like 20 pounds of muscle. I just wanted to enter high school like being like, a total stud. But what was funny is I went to high school with almost all the same kids I went to middle school with. And in three months, it's just really not possible to grow seven inches, even in the midst of that age range or put on all that muscle. And I just kind of came into high school. I was exactly the same. But there's always that part of us that's like, man, I just want to get this thing done. I want to transform my life. This reminds me, of course, of our founding pastor, Bill Ritchie. I've known Bill for, for many, many years. And I remember at the conference that we were at that I ended up uh, me and Bill started talking about what God was doing at Crossroads that kind of led to me coming and being invited by Pastor Bill to be his successor here. I remember when I saw him, compared to the year before, he had lost about 60 pounds. And I remember I had seen him from a distance, and I'm like, is that Bill Ritchie? I mean, it, it looks like him. And, and so then I saw him. He was coming out. I was coming out of a coffee shop, and I have this big, like, coffee drink. And it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's got whipped cream and chocolate. And it's like one of these big drinks. And I walk out, and Bill's standing there holding, like, this bottle of water. And he looks great. He lost 60 pounds. And I'm like, Bill, he's like, Daniel. And we started talking. I'm like, bro, are you okay? 
And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm great. I'm like, bro, you got so skinny. He's like, no, I'm not sick. I did this. I wanted to do this. And I remember it's like, where I'm like drinking this big old coffee sugar drink and Bill's drinking water. He's putting like, ripping off this thing and putting some powder in there. And I thought to myself, this poor guy, like, you know, but, but, but we started talking. He was telling me about how he made a decision that it was time for him to, to take care of his weight. And, and now he helps other people do that. And I kind of love that because it's like, I love those great transformation stories. Why? Because it's such a hopeful thing to realize that just because what was doesn't mean it always has to be. Or just because this is where you are doesn't mean you always have to stay there. And, and the reason I love transformation stories so much is because Jesus is the great transformer. Now, I don't mean transformer like he's like a go-bot or something. He goes from being a car to being a superhero. I mean that Jesus, because of who he is and because of what he's done, Jesus transforms people. And all of us know people. We've, re- we've seen testimonies and stories. Uh, we've watched movies of how Jesus meets people in the midst of their lives. And then Jesus transforms them. He, he meets people right where they are. And he brings them to places that they never, ever could have been before. And that's one of the things I think is so amazing about Jesus. And why I want the whole world to know who Jesus is. And to put their faith and trust in him. Because no matter where you find yourself today. No matter how bad. Whether right now you are in jail whether right now you've hit rock bottom. Listen, if you follow Jesus, Jesus will do a work. He will do a work because Jesus transforms us. And and you can't really understand who Jesus is without seeing Jesus in that context of Jesus transforming someone's life. And so in order to get at this, we've been studying Paul's letter to the Colossians. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 25 Colossians 3, verses 12 to 25 is the text we're going to take today as we look at how Jesus transforms us. I like to say that transformed people transform people. And really what I mean by that is, of course, Jesus transforms us. And then once Jesus transforms us, then Jesus transforms other people through us. So it's really the work of Jesus doing transformation, but he does it in us and then through us. And today, Colossians 3, verses 12 to 25, we're really going to unpack the transformation that Jesus brings. And so picking up Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, are these some beautiful verses here? Now, here's what I would say. If, if, you, if you want a, a way to look at this, really what this is, is these verses give us a time for self, to take a self-assessment. Right here. It's time to take a self-assessment. Because, you know, we had previously in the last message looked at all the things we need to put off and there's all these different things on the list. Now it says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, there, because we're united with Jesus, because now we are in Christ, then, you know, there's certain ways we ought to be. And, and it's beautiful because it, it really tells us that we're, we're, when we're in Christ, that we are chosen of God. We're the elect of God. So God chose us right? The idea now that we're holy, so we're set apart by God and for God. And then, of course, we're beloved. We are loved by God. We're chosen, we're elect, we're holy, 
and we're beloved, right there alone shows how transformational who Jesus is and what he's done. Because in Christ, we've been chosen, we've been set apart as holy, and we're beloved by God. And that's so powerful, right? So because we've moved from death to life, from blindness to sight, now we see in Christ, we're chosen, we're set apart, we're loved. Then we get this, all these lists of how we're supposed to live, the stuff that we're supposed to put on. And we have to ask ourselves, are we actually living this stuff out? And I'll be honest with you. Every time I ever do this kind of stuff with these type of lists, I find things like, hey, I'm not really doing good there. I need to work on this here. And that's part of the journey. I always say we're all in process. One of the things we value here at Cross is everyone's in process. You're not what you used to be. You're not what you're going to be. Today is a day to move in the right direction. And when you look at this, these characteristics of the chosen, the set apart, and the beloved, you realize that this gives us an opportunity to say, okay, where do I need to grow? What is God trying to do in my life right now? So look at the list. The list says, first, it says, put on tender mercies or, or clothe you. We put off the old man. We're putting on this idea of tender mercies or, or the word could also be the word compassion, the ability to feel and to be moved by someone else's situation. That when someone's down, we don't want to kick them when they're down, but we're like, oh man, if I was down, how would I want someone to treat me? So we put on tender mercies. We put on kindness. I always hear my, my beloved bride, Lynn, who I love so much. I'm so blessed to get to do life with her. She always says, oh, kindness matters. Kindness matters. If, if you could take the time to say something, you could say it kindly. Now, here's the deal. Everybody believes in kindness, but let's just be honest. Oftentimes, we're the least kind with the people we know the most because we're used to them. When you're first getting to know someone, like when you go on the job interview, you're so wonderful. You know what I mean? Like, you're so kind and wonderful. And, oh, yeah, that's such a kind person. Then you work with them for a while, and they don't have any time for the niceties. No time for the kindness. Let's get to the business. And listen, kindness matters. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Are you somebody who is kind? Is your speech kind? Is, is the way you move through the world full of kindness? Notice, humility. C.S. Lewis said it this way, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Humility happens when we think about Jesus more and us less. When we think about others more than we think about ourselves. So, you know, we put on humility, the, the, this new man. We put on meekness. Of course, meekness Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth in, in, in the Beatitudes. Meekness means strength under control. Or my pastor, John Henry Corcoran, used to always say, you want to understand the word meek? Take the word meek, M-E-E-K, put a hyphen in the middle. Me? <laughs> like I'm kind of over myself. That's what meekness is. Meekness is when we're not so full of ourselves. And, and, and that idea of strength being under control, this idea that I can do lots of things, but I choose not to because I'm strong enough. I don't have to. Right? So you put on meekness. You put on long-suffering. I always tell you, long-suffering is the best definition of the word what? Patience. Again, a fruit of the Spirit. How are you doing suffering long in a situation? If there's anything that I've learned in 2020 is that people do not suffer long well. I mean, you know, eight months into a global pandemic going on, you have people who are like, yeah, I don't even believe it. this thing is real. I'm like, man, I don't even know what to say. I just want things to go back. I want things to go back too. Just because I want it to go back doesn't mean it should. Doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. But then I'm always like, oh, maybe God's trying to teach me patience right now. Oh yeah, I don't do that so good. 
right? But again, I'm putting off the old man and I'm putting on these characteristics of the person who has been chosen by God, the person who is set apart for God and in God and the person who's loved by God. Okay, patient. God is the most patient person you could ever meet in your entire life, right? You bear with one another. That bad's, you put up with each other, right? I know right now you're like, I'm, gonna, I'm bearing with you, Fusco. You're making me crazy right now. But listen, in Christ, if you're taking a self-assessment, how are you doing putting up with people who are different from you right now? I know for many of us, we're struggling. And then you forgive one another. And then the Apostle Paul kind of nails it and says, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So are you harboring unforgiveness right now? You got to take that self-assessment. I was just talking with my kids about this. I say that, you know, harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Not Like, the only person who gets hurt when you're not forgiving someone is the person who is not being, who's not forgiving the person. The other person is fine. They've moved on. But we, we allow this root of bitterness to kind of, to kind of be within us. And so we need to be forgiving. And then Paul says, and above all, right? He's like, he's like, he's hitting it all. He says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So when we do the self-assessment, how are you looking right now? It's rough, right? God's got a lot of work to do. As I always say, he ain't done with me yet. He's still working on me right now. It reminds me of, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. I love that. He says, listen, examine yourself. Test yourselves. Don't you know who you are? Listen, I want to encourage you. Take the list that we just went through real briefly. Three verses, verses 12 to 14. And I want you to do a self-assessment. Maybe bring in the people who are close to you and say, hey, listen, how am I doing in these? On a scale of one being lousy, 10 being I'm acing this, where's my numbers at? And see what you get. And, And listen, it's not wrong to know where you are so that you can know where God wants to do a work. Right? So take that self-assessment. These are the characteristics of the child of God, the chosen by God, the one set apart for God, the one loved by God. Now, from there, if you really want to grow in these characteristics, there are very specific things that you and I can do. And we really learn it in verses 15 to 17, where it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and really, if you want to, if you want to grow in, in these, in this new life in Christ, there's a simple question you have to ask yourself. What do you let in? That's the question. What do you let in? Because in these verses, notice it keeps saying, and let, let, and let. So it's about what we let in. And this really speaks to us about living intentionally in the days and days, in, in the days that we have really living specifically. Notice what it says first in these verses. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So the first thing we need to do is we need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. 
Now, it doesn't say, let all of the drama of our culture rule in your hearts. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So one of the things we choose to let in is we choose to let God's peace have its impact in our hearts. Of course, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So we want to let God's peace in. Are you letting God's peace rule your heart? Or are you letting your own stuff rule your heart, your own issues, your own fears, your own garbage? No, no, we let God's peace rule our hearts. Not only do we let God's peace rule our hearts, look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So the next thing we let is we let the word of God dwell richly within each one of us. So are you letting the word of God in? Jeremiah said it this way, Jeremiah 15, 16, your word was found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Listen. You need to let the word of God dwell richly within you. I love that word, dwell richly. So it doesn't mean just a little bit. This is like, you want God's word overflowing in your life. That's why you need to be reading it. You need to be listening to it. You need to be memorizing it. You need to be discussing it. You need to be applying it to your life. And notice it says that we should be sharing it with one another. You know, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Now, I also love this because what we also learn is that we should let everything, you know, the other thing you should do is you should let everything be done in the name of Jesus. That's what you get from verse 17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So one of the things we should let is we should let everything we do in our lives be done in the name of Jesus. And I love that the idea of the name of Jesus, because the name always denotes the nature of. Like, I always say, like, when you hear my name, Daniel Fusco, right? Nobody ever thinks D-A-N-I-E-L-F-U-S-C-O and bingo was his name. Oh, Nobody thinks that. You, you think of me. You think, of, you know, he's short. He's furry. He's kind of fun. Like, I like him. I hope that's what you think, right? So when you hear the name, it denotes the nature. And so let everything be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea is that we should live our lives according to the nature of Jesus. And one of the things we let is we let ourselves only do things based on the name of Jesus and not on some other name. For some other allegiance that we might have. So the question for you is, what is it that you are letting in? And don't miss all through these verses. It talks about how we should be thankful, the end of verse 15, and be thankful. At the end of verse 17, give thanks to God the Father through him. So we should let ourselves be thankful. How powerful is that? It's really easy to not have an attitude of gratitude, isn't it? It's so easy to look through life and say, I wish I had this, this thing's lame. Why is it like this? Why does it, you know, and and instead of saying, no, no, thank you, God. Thank you for that you've given me a day. Thank you that the current sufferings I'm going through, it means I'm still here. There's breath in my lungs. I, I can experience, Lord, Lord, you know my health is a mess right now. But Lord, thank you that I'm still here right now. I live to, to worship you. I give you thanks today. 
And because I'm here now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let my heart be joyful and thankful. I'm not going to be self-centered and selfish. My, my issues are real, but I'm going to choose to praise you, God. See, see, these are the things that you have to ask. What do you let in? Are you letting God's peace rule? Are you letting God's word dwell richly? Are you doing everything? Are you letting everything be done in the name of Jesus? Are you letting your heart rejoice in the Lord in the midst of your circumstances? Listen, if you want to take on those characteristics of the new person that we read about in verses 12 to 14, I guarantee you, if you let God's peace rule your heart, you let God's word dwell in you, you choose to live your life, letting everything be done in the name of Jesus, and you choose to be grateful, all those other things are going to be the byproducts of that. Because it's the work of the Spirit in our lives. Now, from there, as we hit verse 18, and we go all the way down to the end of the chapter to the very first verse of chapter 4, really, we learn a principle that gets kind of unpacked very quickly. But it's, I want to give you the principle up top, and then I want to read it, and then we'll unpack it all. Really, the principle is that the Christian home should reveal Jesus. Like, the Christian home should be transformed by Jesus. And you notice as I'm going to read this, there's wives and husbands and children and dads, and then you have bond servants and masters. And so all of this was the, the home, the microcosm of the home. And really what all this means is that within the life of the people of God, the people who are chosen, the people who are set apart, the people who are loved by God, that in their home-based relationship, the Christian home should reveal Jesus. Let me read it to you. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 said, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye servants, as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, it's interesting because, you know, we talk about husbands and wives, and then we talk about children and fathers, and then in the second half, it moves towards bond servants and masters. I know that might sound strange, but when we get to the bond servants and masters, I'll unpack a little bit how that plays. But really what you have here is that because we are chosen by God, we're set apart as holy, because we're loved by God, because we've put off the old person, we're putting on the new person. Now, the way we interact in our homes should reflect the very testimony of the fact that Jesus has transformed our lives. Jesus is real. Change is hard. Sometimes it even seems impossible. So, as much as you'd like to see your life transformed, how do you even start? Well, today's passage gave you the map of how to get there. Pastor Daniel shared that growing in areas like compassion, patience, and forgiveness starts with what you're letting into your heart. When you invite God's peace to control your heart and saturate yourself with His Word, 
and you do everything in the name of Jesus and live gratefully, you'll set off on a journey of radical transformation. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED to 51400. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about how the inward work that God does in you will trickle out into your family. You'll explore what God says about family roles. He wants the way your family works to be a sign to others that Jesus is real and that he can transform lives. Following him will make a difference. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Understanding Jesus. Until then, may God bless you.